last week we began talking about being spirit-filled. So it was fun. I, I had a good time. I told the story last week about how the, I got spirit-filled. Uh, and it was uh, it's one of my favorite stories to tell in, uh, from my life. Uh, we looked at the reality of the fact that having been spirit-filled is not the same thing as being spirit-filled. Those, those can be two different things. Just having had the experience and currently having the theology of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not the same thing as currently being filled with the Spirit. Mm -hmm. those, those can be two different things. Last week I told my testimony just as a means of stirring us up. You know, we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to currently be filled with the Spirit. I know this. We need a move of God in our nation. Mm -hmm. We need a move of God in our churches. Mm -hmm. You know, we need revival, not just, uh, not just in the White House or the, the State House, but we need revival in my house, in your house. Mm -hmm. We need to see a move of God. And it begins, mm -hmm. of course, in, 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 our own, in our own lives. And I told you last week, I want to be one of those people, those rare people, who get to be a part of two moves of God in my lifetime. Yes. You know, I got to be a part of the charismatic renewal. I want to be a part of the new one. Whatever it is. Maybe it'll be called the Lubbock Refreshing. I don't know. But something <laughs> where, where there's just a move of God. I want, I want to be a part of that. I want, I want my children and my grandchildren to experience a move of God. You know, there's a whole lot of stuff going on that would absolutely just be resolved if there was a move of God. Yeah, right. I mean, it just, mm. it, it would be no questions. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've heard this, and I, we, some, I was talking to somebody last week at some point, we talked about that if there's a miracle, you know, when you get a miracle, nobody asks you your theology. Mm -hmm. You know, when you get the little Muslim woman, blind Muslim woman healed of blindness, mm -hmm. they don't ask you about theology. <laughs> the whole family comes, mm -hmm. and they get born again. They don't ask you if you dunk or sprinkle. They don't ask any of that stuff. They just know one thing, and that is that Jesus is Lord. That's right. And if we have a move of God in our nation, in our city, even in our, I believe we have a move of God in our church, it'll spill over into this community. It'll be amazing. Not that God isn't moving, but I'm talking about a, a real revival move of God. Whatever we want to label it. It's interesting the, the, in the in the 60s and 70s, Tammy and I were in San Francisco a few weeks ago, as most of you know. But we we took this tour of the city, and we went through uh, Haight Ashbury. Anybody familiar with Haight Ashbury? I mean, it's like all kinds of nasty, vile things took place there in the 60s and 70s. And now, of course, it's being glamorized as as uh, you know all these wonderful things. But I'm driving through that. We're driving through. That, I'm thinking, just imagine all the terrible things that happened here as well. But in that very same time era, God poured out his spirit. And so as bad as things are right now that seem like they're going on in our nation, God is perfectly capable of pouring out his spirit in this time. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And so I, I really expect God to move. He wants to move. He wants to pour 
without his spirit now. And just having been filled with the spirit is not going to be good enough. We've got to be being filled with the spirit. I told you last week that when I got in the chair and they wanted to pray for me, their deal was stick out your arms. Let's get one to grow out because that miracle is supposed to be enough to, to resolve everything. Well, God may not do it through the growing out of arms. I remember one night I was, I was at this girl's house and uh, I was inviting her to come to church. I mean, I was a wild charismatic in those days. And, I'm, and her dad comes and says, what is all this stuff about speaking in tongues? And I said, stand up. And he said, okay. Still, he was a big guy. He said, stretch out your arms. <laughs> That's all I needed to do. He stuck out his arms. One was shorter than the other. I prayed. And I mean, it lengthened. And he's, he, he was really taken aback by it. And I just said, I just want you to know, as real as that is, so is the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. He just turned around and walked away. <laughs> but you know what? We need, we need to be bold in the Spirit. We need to have this filling of the Spirit. I believe God wants to move again, and it will not, I believe, it will not be like it was in the 60s and 70s. Because God will do it differently. I mean, I already know this. It's going to be filled with tattoos and piercings, just so we know. Okay, if we're biased against that, we're going to have a hard time with what God's getting ready to do. Okay, it's, it's, it's going to be different than what we've ever seen before. God wants to do it, though. He wants to do this thing of pouring out His Spirit. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. I spoke last week about an encounter I had with the Holy Spirit. And, and I know this, he's ready and willing to invade people's lives. He wants to do that. I mean, he's waiting to do that. He told me, I shared this with you last week. He told me when I asked him, because when I was, I was there with him and, and it was just this amazing experience. And I said, how do I tell people to get here? And then I said, how did I get here? And I'll never forget, he said, there are no steps. There is no formula. You must be hungry, hungry for Jesus. And that's the answer for this infilling of the Holy Spirit. We must return to our first love for Jesus. That has to be what it is. The Holy Spirit, you know, Jesus said when he comes, he won't speak of himself. In other words, he's not going to decide what he wants to say, but he's going to speak what the Father tells him, just like Jesus spoke what the Father told him. But we need to know this, that the Holy Spirit is going to come, and, and he's going to inform us about Jesus. right? In, 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 in Revelation chapter 2, Paul rebuked the church at Ephesus. Why? Because they left their first love. The word left from, from the Greek means they disregarded it. They abandoned it. Mm. They gave it up. They forsook it. You see, they forsook the first love they had for Jesus. And then Jesus said, you need to repent. The church needs to repent because, quite honestly, in our era that we live in, many churches are more in love with the number of people that attend mm. and the amount of money that comes in than they are with Jesus. Mm -hmm. What I like about our church is when we have worship on Sunday mornings, mm -hmm. I mean, those guys get after it. <laughs> Amen. Whether you go to the first service or the last service, mm -hmm. they get after it. 
Because we have to have this love for Jesus. Those people were instructed to go back and do that again. Love Jesus again the way they loved him before. It's not talking about going through the motions of doing the exact same songs and that type of thing. It's talking about having that same passion and that same freshness. I'll tell you, that will draw the presence of the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter, I mean, Revelation chapter 3, the church at Laodicea was rebuked. Remember why? Because they were lukewarm. Lukewarm is not being passionate. Lukewarm. He said, Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. He wasn't saying, I'd rather you be far away or close to me. No, he said, I want, I want you to either be hot or cold. Lukewarm makes no impact on anybody. Hot makes an impact. Cold makes an impact. Mm -hmm. He said, I want, you, I want you to have a relationship to the degree that that makes an impact on people you come in contact with. In fact, Jesus said, he said, because you're lukewarm, I want to spew you out of my mouth. Literally, it says I want to vomit. Mm -hmm. wow. Being lukewarm makes Jesus sick. Mm -hmm. He doesn't like it. So we must be so impacted by the work of the Holy Spirit that we make a difference in the society in which we live. Now, I'm not talking about being so crazy that we can't communicate with regular people. I used to have this guy came into my office in Kentucky, and he, he would, I don't, want to be, I don't want to be judgmental of the guy, he loved the Lord. But he would talk about, he would drive down the highway, and he sit on this highway between Madisonville, Kentucky, and Hopkinsville, Kentucky. He talked about this portal. And he would say, when you go through this portal, there was the presence of God. And I drove the highway lots of times, and I prayed in tongues most of the time on that highway. I didn't exactly experience the portal, but he would come in my office, into our office, and he would go in the secretary's office, and he would be talking for a few minutes, then all of a sudden he would do, he would go, oh, and he could no longer communicate with it. Well, perhaps he was having a genuine experience from the Holy Spirit, but I don't want to have, I don't want to be so weird that I can't communicate with people. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And the guy, my, my secretary would just roll her eyes. <laughs> and I would tell her, I told her, I said, you don't know. You don't know what happens when you have an encounter with God. Maybe, maybe that's, that's but, but he did it often. Just several times during the conversation, every time he came into her office. I don't want to be weird. And I'm not, he, I'm not, I don't want to judge him. I don't want to tell you he's doing anything wrong. But I'm going to tell you something. If you come in the jewelry store and you do that, we're going to call the police. Because <laughs> you probably need help. <clears throat> so we don't, we don't want that. We want to be people who can make a difference. And there's an overflow from the Spirit out of our lives that makes a difference. So that people ask us about that. So that, so that it, wherever we are, it just comes out of us. We need to be filled with the Spirit. So here was the text we read last time. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. That's where we started. Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. And we know these verses, because if you've been Spirit-filled long enough, you sang these verses. It says, And be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, 
giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Tammy shared that, that verse about giving thanks to this lady Sunday morning as we were praying for her. And I mean, she didn't think she had anything to be thankful for. And Tammy just said, and then she shared the one about this. Says, and it says in everything give thanks for, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. She said, if you don't know the will of God, I'll tell you what it is. She said, what is it? Give thanks. I mean, that draws the presence of the Holy Spirit. In gratitude, I, it just runs them off. But we're singing and making melody in her. This is talking about being happy. Being joyous in the presence of God. It draws his presence, giving thanks. We saw last week that that little phrase, be filled with the Spirit, it means be being filled. The Amplified Bible says, ever be filled with the Spirit. We're supposed to always be filled with the Spirit. Always be filled with the Spirit. Be being filled with the Spirit. We looked last week at how that, that being filled with the Spirit is compared a couple of times in Scripture to being drunk with wine. It, it, it compares the two. Uh, we saw in Acts chapter 2, when they were filled with the Spirit, they staggered outside, they were speaking in tongues, and they said, and everybody thought they were drunk, they said, these people are filled with new wine, and the Apostle, Apostle Peter said, well, no, they're not drunk like you think they are. He said, this is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And so the mistake was that they were filled with the Spirit, yet others thought they were drunk. Here the Apostle Paul in Ephesians says that we're not to be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. He's saying there are some similarities. He's saying the same way you stay drunk with wine is the way you stay drunk with the Spirit. You continue to imbibe of the Spirit. You continue to drink of Him. And then he tells us how. By, through psalms and hymns. He says, speaking to yourselves. We said last week that that word yourselves literally means to your own self. Speaking to your own self in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I told you last week that the word wine, in the Greek language it means wine, but it comes from a Hebrew word that means to effervesce. To, I like this. To effervesce by implication to intoxication or wine that's fermented. I looked up the word effervesce this week to see what it, what it really meant. It says, it means to emit small bubbles of gases, carbonated or fermenting. We probably don't want to do that. <laughs> Not with other people around. It says, it, says, it says, to show high spirits, be lively or vivacious. I know a lot of Christians who are not lively and are for sure not vivacious. <laughs> I, know some, I know some Christians who, they're pretty boring. <laughs> and you ask them, are you spirit-filled? Oh, yes. God filled me with the Holy Ghost. That's a bunch of baloney. They might have been filled, but are they filled now? I think I've told you this. One time when I was a freshman in college at Hardin Simmons University, I went to this charismatic churches were different in those days. There was this one little church in Abilene. I think it was called the Vine. I think that's what it's called. Anyway, I went to this church. I went one Sunday, and they decided, wow, that guy's got some spunk. Let's let him preach next Sunday. They didn't know me from a hole in the ground, but they said, you get up and preach next Sunday. So I preached, and, I, and after I got finished, this, this, this man came to me. And, he's, and he says, oh, young man, that was wonderful. I said, well, thank you. And he said, but you know, you're so enthusiastic. 
but that'll go away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, thank you for encouraging me. But I said, I looked at him and I said, thank you. And as I walked away, I said out loud to myself, it will never go away. Yeah. We must never lose our passion for the things of God. We must never let it, let it, let it just go away like that. We need to be vivacious. It also, the Latin root means to boil over. We need to be effervescent. We need to be boiling over. We need to be vivacious. Being filled with the Spirit is simply that. Being filled with the Spirit is to behave in a lively, high-spirited, or highly excited way. Remember when they came to get Jesus? Mom and Dad, they came to get Jesus? In the Greek it says that he was so excited that they thought he was out of his mind. Think about being Jesus. Think about healing the leper. Here's what we have in our minds. Jesus, be healed. <laughs> no, Jesus was just like us. When they got healed, he was like, yes. <laughs> when, when, when the lame walked, when the maim recovered, you know Jesus was thrilled at what the Father was doing. It wasn't just, okay, boys, let's pray. <laughs> he did pray and he spent his time with the father but his family thought he was crazy mm -hmm. he was so excited they thought he was out of his mind mm -hmm. and they came literally to put him away mm -hmm. as believers that are filled with the Holy Spirit we ought to live in an excited way I'm not talking about living in our emotions I'm talking about being thrilled with the presence of God in our lives Effervescent, I read in another dictionary, it, said, it says lively and excited, sparkling, high spirits, spontaneous liveliness. Man, that doesn't sound like a lot of churches that you go to. Lively, vivacious, showing high spirits, behaving in a lively, high-spirited way, spontaneous, sp spontaneous, liveliness, excited. That's what being spirit-filled is. That doesn't mean every day. You know, it's the, Paul says it is, the best day of my life. <laughs> but there are, there, are some, there are some tough times that we go through. That's right. But the way to recover from those tough times is to be filled with the Spirit. See, people of the world, when they have those tough days, they go home and they got to have a drink of alcohol because they hate the mundane. They hate the humdrum of life. They've got to have something that gives them more than that. We have the Holy Spirit. And being filled with new wine should transform us from mundane to vivacious. What people get from being drunk on alcohol is a substitute of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. Be being filled. God wants us to be filled. Now, I want you to notice something in that passage we just read. It says, be being filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself. Speaking. Being filled with the Spirit is almost always connected to speaking in the New Testament. Almost always. In the book of Acts, you can find eight examples of people being baptized in the Holy Spirit. There are eight of them. Eight 
examples. Of those eight examples, in six of them, the scripture says they spoke with tongues. They were filled with the Spirit, and they spoke. Most of the time it says spoke in tongues and prophesied, but it says they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they were filled with the Spirit and spoke in tongues. The only two times it doesn't say that is when Philip went down to Samaria. They got filled with the Spirit after the apostles came, and they laid hands on them. They were filled with the Spirit. Simon, remember, he wanted to buy it because he saw something. It says when Simon saw it, he wanted to buy it. And he asked Paul, how, I mean, asked, asked Peter how he could buy it. Well, what did he see, do you think? He saw a bunch of drunk, spirit-filled people speaking in tongues. <laughs> and you might say, well, you can't prove that. I'm going to tell you this. You can't prove I'm wrong either, just so you'll know. He saw that. He saw it. The only other time we see that, 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 that it doesn't say they spoke in tongues was when the apostle Paul was filled with the Spirit. When Saul of Tarsus was baptized in the Holy Spirit, it doesn't say that he spoke in tongues, but later on, he said he did. Okay, he said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Okay, so, so we know that typically, well, all, all the time, being filled with the Spirit is accompanied by speaking. There in Ephesians, it said, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I'm thinking those are songs that are that what the Apostle Paul called singing in the Spirit and singing in the understanding. He was talking about singing in, in tongues these songs. Okay, so, so we realize that being filled is speaking. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 31. If you don't want to look, I'll just read it to you here. Acts 4, 31 says this, And when they had prayed, now this is the same people who got baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, plus some. They got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Peter and John went to the temple to pray. The guy got healed. They got in trouble. They were yelled at by, by the, the, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees. They got yelled at. They told them not to do that anymore. They came back to the group. They said, okay, they told us not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. So they prayed, and they said, oh, Lord. They told us not to pray. They told us not to heal anybody in the name of Jesus. But we're going to ask you to stretch forth your hand and heal the sick in his name. And then it says, and when they had prayed, I love that story because they said, don't do it. And they went and prayed, give us some more. Let us do it more. Let us do it more. They, they counted it an honor to be persecuted for Jesus. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. Now listen, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake. This time they spake the word of God with boldness. I mean, these very same people that were filled in Acts chapter 2 are now filled again in Acts chapter 4. They needed to be refilled. You see, the problem is, and I said this last week, when we get filled, we leak. Mm -hmm. And we need to continually be refilled and refilled. They leaked, and when they were filled, they began to speak the word with boldness. When they were filled, listen, it requires being filled for the miracles to flow. If we want to see supernatural, we've got to be filled. Whatever we are filled with will come out of our mouths. If you, if you get around somebody who's filled with politics, what do they talk about? Politics. <laughs> Get around somebody who loves the Dallas Cowboys. What do they talk about? 
the Dallas Cowboys. You might even find that guy who has the, the silver and blue car and has the star somewhere and the room in his house. And whatever you're filled with comes out of your mouth. I'm just going to tell you right now, if you listen to Rush Limbaugh all the time, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. I'm not saying don't listen to Rush Limbaugh. I'm just saying we need to be filled with something that comes out of us beneficially. If you fill your car with gas and your gas gauge, no, it doesn't work. How do you know when it's full? Gas comes out of the mouth. Because <laughs> whatever it gets full of comes out of the mouth. Jesus said it this way, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. He talked about creating what we say in that passage of Scripture. If we're filled with the Spirit, that's what's going to come out of our mouths. Spirit language, spirit words will come out of us. When we're filled with the Spirit, we will speak. We will say something. Being filled with the Spirit will always come out of the mouth. And here's the reality. All of that speaking, when it comes out of our mouth, if it's as God is prompting us, will require faith to do it. So, speaking in tongues is almost always connected with being filled with the Spirit, right? We look at that. Speaking in tongues. I mean, we can see that before the church operated in the miraculous, first came tongues. You can't find a miracle in the New Testament church. I'm not talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm talking about Acts. No miracle came until they spoke in tongues. When they were filled with the Spirit, the first evidence of that, or the first manifestation of that, was they spoke in other tongues. I told you last week, people would ask me when I was a, a young man, they would say, they knew I was a Christian, and they knew I loved God, and they would say, so are you, are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Do you speak with tongues? And I would say... I had great theology. I would say, well, God hadn't given me that gift yet. And I would say, you know, tongues is just a lesser gift. <laughs> That's, I thought that was good theology. I thought that was good. In 1 Corinthians 14, 5, Paul refers to prophecy as a greater gift than speaking in tongues. However... He's not referring to a prayer language of tongues. He's referring to speaking in tongues in the assembly that requires interpretation. I think we all know that, that those, there's two kinds of tongues here. There's the kind of the assembly. There's the kind in my prayer language. By the way, in the manifestations of the Spirit, there are two kinds of knowledge. There's a word of knowledge, and there's just knowledge. There are two kinds of faith, regular faith and the manifestation of faith. There, there, there are two kinds of, of lots of things, but this what he's talking about, that, that, that prophecy is a greater gift than tongues, unless tongues has an interpretation with it. He's talking about the manifestation in the body of Christ. Tongues is one of the most misunderstood subjects in the church. We, we all, spirit-filled people do it, but I don't know that we understand what's going on. It's taught in two ways. It's taught, number one, as the evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Right? I mean, here's how, here's how you know. You can wonder if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. When you're talking in tongues, there's no question. <laughs> right? Well, you know, that all passed away. Let me just tell you something. <laughs> the person with an argument is no match for the person with an experience. That's right. 
And so when, 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 when they, the devil used to come and beat me over the head before I got spirit-filled, he would say, you're not really saved. You're not really saved. Then I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the devil came to me and said, you're not really saved. I said, whoa, what, 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 what did you, you just say? <laughs> I said, listen to this, son. You cannot get, you cannot be baptized in the Holy Spirit unless you're saved. Right. And I just want you to know something. You can't speak in tongues unless you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. So listen to this. And I just would unleash on him in the Spirit, and not one time have I ever doubted whether I was saved or not. Amen. Since that yeah. time. Yeah. Because I know, I, he, there's, there's no ammunition of that one left. It's taught, though, as the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's also taught as our prayer language. But how does that work exactly? What's, what's going on when we say it's my prayer language? Okay? Let me read you this verse before I go further. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 says this, And this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we desire of him. So now if tongues is my prayer language, wouldn't it have something to do with that? I believe it does. When we're praying in tongues, we are praying the exact will of God every single time. You can't miss it when you're praying in tongues. I mean, you're praying in tongues, that is the will of God. So I'm going to talk, obviously I'm going to talk about tongues for a couple minutes here. <laughs> First Corinthians 14, 5. The Apostle Paul said, I would that you all spake with tongues. One time a lady came to me and she said, well, the Bible says that we're to forbid to speak with tongues. And I said, really? I pulled out 1 Corinthians 14. I showed her that scripture. I said, the Apostle Paul said he wants us all to speak with tongues. She said, we don't learn that in the Baptist church. <laughs> and I, said, I said, you know, I'm sorry, but that's what the Bible says. The Apostle Paul said, I thank my God I speak in tongue, with tongues more than ye all. Why would he need to speak in tongues that much? Has to do with asking anything according to his will. Has to do with tapping in to the will of God. Listen to this verse of scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. I think you know these verses. It says, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now that's referring to tongues. It's talking about sounds that they can't be understood. And it says, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to... The will of God. What that says is the Spirit, when he prays through us, is praying the will of God. Then it says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So praying in the Spirit is really important to the will of God. It's really important to all things working together for good. Because mm. this chapter, Romans chapter 8, talks about the whole world 
is groaning, mm -hmm. waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. It's talking about the need for God's people to take their rightful place. It's talking about us being spiritually minded and not carnally minded. It's talking about us tapping into the will of God. And here he tells us that the Spirit praying through us, the Spirit praying through us, man, that's the intercession according to the will of God so that all things work together for good. To those that love God or the call according to his purpose. Now, I like that myself. That makes some things easier than I thought they were. Instead of me having to figure everything out, why don't I spend some time praying in the Spirit and praying the perfect will of God? All right, let me, let me read this to you. The Apostle, uh, this is really good. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 21, the scripture says this. In the law it is written, with men, of other, with, uh, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people. You know what the context is? It's praying in tongues. The context is speaking in tongues. He says, it is written. This is, this is from Isaiah 28, 11, which says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. The word speak here literally means to speak or to lay forth in words, but it also is referring to speak with the intent of giving instruction. So here's what this verse is saying. He's saying, with other tongues will I speak and give instruction. And Isaiah's talking about them going into captivity, and people from other tongues that they don't know are going to give them instruction as to what they ought to do. It's a, it's a double prophecy. For the New Testament, it is with other tongues, the Spirit can give us instruction and show us what to do. Mm. Now, I, that, that's pretty good. Have you ever had a situation in your life when you didn't know what to do? <laughs> and you, you thought about it, and you thought about it, and you still didn't know what to do. Almost like opening... <laughs> Open in a drawer looking for a file. You go through them all and it's not there. So you go through them all again and it's not there. Mm -hmm. And you go through them again and it's not there. It's not there because it's not there. <laughs> Sometimes we do that very thing in the spirit. We try as, we, as, as much as we can to figure out what would God have us to do when the answer is not in the drawer, it's in the spirit. And the Holy Spirit already knows the answer. The only way to tap into that answer is in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit, then, is tapping in to some things from the Spirit so we can get the answer. God will lead us. He will show us things that we never knew simply by praying in the Spirit. See, for a long time, I thought praying in the Spirit was something cool that I could do but I didn't really understand that I really ought to do it every day. I loved it a few months ago when Pastor Jackie said, I pray in tongues every day. I think that's a must. We need to be people who pray in the Spirit every day. Why? 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says this. I'm almost through, I think. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, 
but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. In Acts chapter 2, they heard them. They said, we heard everybody, we heard in our own language, speaking the wonderful works of God. Doesn't say it was the wonderful works of God in the past, or the present, or the future. Here, it says when we pray in the Spirit, we're speaking mysteries. I believe we're speaking the wonderful works of God that are mysteries, that are literally God's plan for our lives. That He's guiding us by His Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. When we pray in the Spirit, we're speaking mystery. <clears throat> he says, even the hidden wisdom of God, which, which was ordained before the world unto our glory. So this, all this stuff that's hidden is for us which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have seen, nor ear heard, neither entered the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. These things have to come by the Spirit. They don't come by the intellect. They come from the Spirit to the intellect, but not to the intellect from without. Okay? They're revealed to us by his spirit. It says, for the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth man, save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Talking about knowing the will of God here. Now listen to this next verse. This is verse 13. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. What words does he speak them in? Spiritual words. We tap into the things of the Spirit with spiritual words coming from our spirits. Praying in tongues is so powerful. It connects us in the spirit realm to what the Holy Spirit knows, and he then prays through us the exact will of God. Here's what most believers don't recognize. When we pray in the spirit, we are literally prophesying the perfect plan and will of God. Either for our lives or whatever situation it is that he's having us pray into, we are prophesying the exact will and plan of God. And the cool thing about it is the devil cannot understand it and can't mess up the confession. <laughs> he doesn't even know it. He can't get it. I always liken it to World War II when they were trying to find a code that they could, could be, befuddle the Germans. And so they chose, they chose Navajo. And they said all the codes in Navajo because the Germans could not understand it. And that was an important part of winning the war. When we pray in tongues, we're praying this perfect plan. Perfectly praying it. And as we pray it, the devil can't get it. But our confession is pure and it is right. And we are saying exactly what God wants to happen. 
I'm telling you, that's a tool that many Christians don't understand. Because if we understood that, we'd pray in the Spirit a whole lot more, wouldn't we? When we pray in tongues, the answers are in the Spirit. In a code that the devil doesn't understand, we're confessing this perfect plan, and then as after we've been praying in the Spirit, all of a sudden, from our spirit, we know exactly what to do. Or we wind up in the right place at the right time, meeting the right people. Because the plan, we've already confessed it. It's the perfect confession of faith. If I'm full of the Spirit, out of my innermost being will come forth words of the Spirit that will produce the plan of God in my life. 